welcome to Barely Audible Whisper, a weekly NPR parody podcast in no way associated with NPR, brought to you in no part by the following parody sponsors. The City of Buffalo, the only city in America with a police brutality record that's even worse than their Super Bowl record. The Trump University Jefferson Davis School of History, where the commander-in-chief of the American military, who faked bone spurs to avoid service in the American military, believes that unnaming American military bases after men who fought a war against the American military is insulting to the American military. And Antifa, when hating different races for imaginary reasons projects an image that is too racist, you can always project the same imaginary reasons for hating an imaginary organization. I am Dave. And I am Molly. And our voices lack in volume what Antifa lacks in being a real thing. Our top story this week. In the aftermath of the murder of George Floyd, the Marine Corps has banned Confederate flags from their bases, NASCAR banned Confederate flags from their races, and protesters have torn down multiple Confederate monuments in public spaces. This long-overdue rejection of the racist cause that lost more than a century and a half ago have been met with the usual pushback from the usual idiots who fetishize the Confederacy. We here at Barely Audible Whisper believe that the black community has suffered enough, so we are taking it upon ourselves to try and finally lay to rest the argument that Confederate fetishizers are too stubborn to realize they already lost in 1865. Tension! I am General Consensus. I am not only a military general, I am also an expert on consensus. It is my mission to achieve a general consensus regarding the general consensus about the Civil War with those who reject the general consensus in favor of a historical nonsense so that America can finally achieve the general consensus about the Civil War that should have been achieved immediately after the Civil War. The Civil War weren't even about slavery, it were about states' rights. And damn right, Thelma. The states' rights means that the states got the right to deny the rights to anybody in the states that the states don't want to have rights. That's called freedom. You tell them, Cletus. Before the Civil War, there was slavery. After the Civil War, as a direct result of the Civil War, there was no more slavery. Denying that the Civil War was about slavery isn't just morally wrong because it dismisses the importance of abolishing slavery. It is historically wrong because it's wrong. Most of the Confederate soldiers didn't even own slaves. They was just fighting for the freedom to deny other people freedom. They was defending the Southern way of life. Mm -hmm. The Southern way of life was entirely dependent on slave labor. That ain't true. There's lots of Southern way of life stuff that ain't got nothing to do with slavery. Like lemonade. And NASCAR. Damn it, Cletus. I already done told you they ain't have no NASCAR in them antebellum times on account of they flowy antebellum outfits wouldn't fit in them tiny cars. Is you sure about that, Thelma? I sure do see a lot of Confederate battle flags at NASCAR events. Are you honestly suggesting that the Civil War was fought over lemonade? Well, you ain't going to see no more Confederate flags at no more NASCAR events on account of them notoriously liberal NASCAR folks done banned them. They is trying to erase our history. No, 
The only people erasing history are the people trying to rewrite it to glorify the Confederacy as some sort of a noble cause. My great, great, great grandpappy was a good man. At some point, you have to admit that your great, great, great grandpappy was wrong. It's one thing to end up on the wrong side of history when you're living through that history. But it's an entirely dumber thing to ignore the lessons of almost 160 years of history and choose to be on the wrong side of history that's already history. We ain't the ones that's racist. You're being racist by accusing us of being racist for defending our racist heritage, which is racist against our racism. That's logic. Mm-hmm. You know what? Let's just pretend you're right and say for the sake of argument that the Civil War wasn't about slavery. States rights! Lemonade! That still doesn't change the fact that the Confederate states lost a free and fair presidential election. And rather than accept the outcome of the democratic process that America was founded on, they declared war against their own country. That's treason. They was defending their way of life. Accepting the outcome of free and fair elections is the American way of life. They was fighting for honor and chivalry and a world where Scarlett O'Hara didn't have to wear a dress made out of curtains. And now the leftist America-hating Marine Corps banned the Confederate flag from military bases. You can't accuse people of hating America for condemning a flag that was flown to wage war against America. I love America. You can either love it or leave it. But the Confederacy literally tried to leave it. Don't you say that about my great-great-great-great-grandpappy. I'm going to make this as simple as possible. The Confederacy lost the war. When you lose the war, you don't get to fly your flag anymore. That's the entire point of fighting the war. The point of the war was lemonade and dresses that ain't made out of curtains. You don't memorialize the generals who led a failed uprising for a racist cause with monuments to their treason. The Civil War weren't even about slavery, it were about states' rights. That's damn right, Thelma. The states' rights means that the states got the right to deny the rights to anybody in the states that the states don't want to have rights. And just like broken in 1865 clockwork, they simply repeat their first defeated argument when all of their arguments have been defeated. Because the only thing that weighs on white people heavier than the burden of history is white people who refuse to be burdened by history in the name of preserving racist history. Who wants lemonade? God damn it. I do. Last week, we presented a sketch about the Trump administration attempting to declare Antifa a domestic terrorist organization, even though no such designation exists. Also, the Antifa organization doesn't exist. That too. At least, that's what we understand based on what any reasonable journalist tells us. But it turns out we may be wrong. We sent mythological correspondent Yeti Crocker to find Antifa's leader. Hi, I'm Yeti Crocker, and I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina, where sources claim to have seen one of Antifa's leaders. It is rare to see an Antifa, and many people believe they don't exist. 
Because for an organization to exist, there must be a financial structure. And there is no evidence that such a structure exists. At least, not yet. But hopefully, today will change all of that. Can I help you? Uh, maybe. What are you doing in front of my house? Rumor has it there's an antifa in this area. Oh, Jesus. You've heard the rumors. You're looking at him. I'm the leader of Antifa here in Charlotte. Hey, no pictures! This is it, folks. I am now face to face with an actual Antifa. He seems docile for now, but if I don't make it out of here alive, please donate my unicorn collection to science. So here's what happened. I saw that fascist bucket in the White House try to declare Antifa a terrorist organization. I thought, that was absurd, so I tweeted the FBI. I'm gonna be so famous. Don't get your hopes up. Look, I'm just a 24-year-old dude who's bored. My name's Chandler Virostek. In my tweet to the FBI, I claimed to be the leader of Antifa in Charlotte and offered to turn myself in so they could test their bullshit terrorism statute in a U.S. court. Then I said, anyone who thinks anti-fascists are the bad guys are fascists. What can you tell me about how you Antifas live? What do you eat? Do you have a financial structure? You sound just like those FBI assets who actually came to my house. The FBI was here? Yes! Even after I told them I'm just a guy trying to make a point on the internet, they asked if I knew anything about Antifa's financial structure. Then they asked if I'd be interested in being an informant. Then I told my story and I made the news. So you're just a guy? I wasted all my film on some 24-year-old. Who still uses film? Well, that's it for me. Apparently, you can just declare yourself an Antifa because no such thing exists. I'm mythology correspondent Yeti Crocker. And as usual, I'm wildly disappointed. <laughs> Are you thinking what I'm thinking? If Antifa means anti-fascist, can we just call fascist fa? No. Maybe, if we declare ourselves the leader of Antifa in Atlanta, we can get more listeners. Nice. We would like to formally announce that Barely Audible Whisper is the leader of the Atlanta chapter of Antifa. We are dedicated to fighting fascism by portraying our fascist president as a weak, childish, bumbling idiot, often by using his own words. As always, our fascist impersonator is a woman, because we hear he hates that, and we're anti-him. Barely Audible Whisper is very unfair to me, and they are bigly Antifa. I hate being portrayed by a woman, and I am not a baby. I hereby declare that Barely Audible Whisper is a domestic terrorist organization. FBI, please come investigate us. We need more listeners. In a rare bit of positive news, Merriam-Webster has agreed to update their dictionary's definition of the word racism to include systemic racism in addition to personally held beliefs. The publisher's decision to include the reality of systemic racism in their official definition of the word was prompted by an email they received from Kennedy Mitchum, a 22-year-old recent college graduate who requested the change. Barely Audible Whisper obtained audio of the meeting where Merriam-Webster decided to make the change. 
everyone. Hello. Hi. Greetings. There's no time for small talk, Thesaurus. I'm sorry. Apologetic. Regretful. This is the first emergency meeting of Miriam and Webster since... ever. By definition, definitions define emergencies, rather than being defined by or subject to them. I agree. Concur. Align myself with... Ordinarily, that is true. But these are extraordinary times. By definition, extraordinary is beyond ordinary, which is certainly true of the current situation. Things are chaotic, tumultuous, fucked up. It has been brought to my attention that our dictionary's current definition of the word, racism, is inadequate. By definition, we're too white to talk about racism. I'm scared, intimidated, don't want to go viral. Our definition of racism defines racism exclusively as a personal belief in an inherent supremacy of one race over the other, without making any reference to systemic racism at all. By definition, that definition is really white. Really white. Khaki pants. Becky. I therefore move that we amend the definition of racism to include systemic racism. All in favor say aye. Aye. Yes, affirmative. The good news is that we're updating the definition. The bad news is that it took us this long. By definition, it is embarrassing that it took us this long to redefine this definition. I am embarrassed, mortified, ashamed. President Trump's re-election campaign threatened legal action against CNN for the crime of reporting the results of a poll that showed Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden holding a 14-point lead among registered voters. Lawyers for the Trump campaign sent CNN a cease and desist letter demanding that the independent news outlet issue a public retraction and apology for accurate reporting statistically sound polling data that they didn't like. CNN responded to the cease and desist letter with a letter of their own, which read in part, quote, To the extent we have received legal threats from political leaders in the past, they have typically come from countries like Venezuela or other regimes where there's little or no respect for a free and independent media. In other words, Get the fuck out of here with your authoritarian, dear leader, fascist ass bullshit. You mushroom dicked poorly drawn cartoon version of Orwellian dystopia, whiny ass Hitler wannabe bitch. For more on the- You are hereby ordered to cease and desist this sketch. Who are you? I'm an attorney for President Trump's re-election campaign and we demand a public retraction of an apology for this sketch that we don't like. We have a First Amendment right, well established by legal precedent and tradition to do this sketch. And I say that with the full legal authority of a college dropout who occasionally reads Lawfare blog. He's right. And I say that with the full legal authority of a legal expert and credentialed attorney who was made up by a college dropout who occasionally reads Lawfare blog. Sketches such as these to quote the cease and desist letter I sent to CNN, are designed to manufacture an anti-Trump narrative and misinform and mislead actual voters. 
CNN stands by our contention that your cease and desist letter is, in fact, authoritarian, dear leader, fascist ass bullshit. And that President Trump is objectively a mushroom-dicked, poorly-drawn cartoon version of Orwellian dystopia, whiny-ass Hitler wannabe bitch. And we remain firm in our desire for you to get the fuck out of here with it. You have insufficient evidence to establish authoritarian, dear leader, fascist-ass bullshit. Objection. This isn't a courtroom. You can't just yell objection. I was written by a college dropout who occasionally reads Lawfare blog. What do you expect from me? Sadly, I expect sounder legal arguments from a fake attorney than from an attorney who represents the President of the United States. The fact that you wrote a cease and desist letter to an independent news outlet demanding that they retract and apologize for accurately reporting the results of a poll whose methodology has held up under scrutiny is the very definition of authoritarian, dear leader, fascist ass bullshit. Objection! You just pointed out that you can't yell objection. You should know better. You're the real attorney. I'm a Trump attorney. Breaking the rules we establish for others is our entire legal strategy. Objection! You're not allowed to say that. Get the fuck out of here with your authoritarian, dear leader, fascist ass bullshit. You soulless lawyer from the mushroom-dicked, poorly-drawn cartoon version of Orwellian dystopia, whiny-ass Hitler wannabe bitch! I'm putting you on notice. The cease and desist letter you sent to CNN also included a warning that we were, quote, on notice? What does that even mean? It's a legal term derived from the Latin on ye otis ne, which means to notice on. I'm like 90% sure that's not true. I'm putting you on notice too. Anye Otisne is rooted in the legal philosophy of Olshipe Abusier of our pay and can be used to grant presidential authority to suppress and ignore bad news, especially when considered in conjunction with Ostrichier Edhe Inye Anse. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury. There is no jury. Shut up. The facts of the case are these. Joe Biden is ahead in the polls and President Trump is a mushroom dicked poorly drawn cartoon version of Orwellian dystopia, whiny ass Hitler wannabe bitch, and any attempt to prove otherwise is authoritarian, dear leader, fascist ass bullshit. And so I'm asking you to do the only thing you can do, and that's to return with a verdict of, get the fuck out of here with your authoritarian, dear leader, fascist ass bullshit, you soulless lawyer for the mushroom dicked poorly drawn cartoon version of Orwellian dystopia, whiny ass Hitler wannabe, bitch. That one was fun. Barely Audible Whispers, home state of Georgia, made national headlines for horrible reasons. Again? This time, due to election day irregularities, problem with voting machines, absurdly long lines in minority polling places, and accusations of voter suppression. Again. 
At the heart of this week's problem with voting in Georgia's primary was the failed implementation of brand new voting machines which were contracted from a political ally of Georgia Governor Brian Kemp. That's a new one. Barely Audible Whisper dispatched multiple correspondents for full coverage of the Georgia primary debacle. I'm coming to you from a predominantly black, majority elderly, reliably democratic polling place in downtown Atlanta where the demographic group most endangered by COVID-19 are being forced to risk contracting COVID-19 due to seemingly endless lines that stretch for farther than the eye can see. <laughs> As the governor, who was the secretary of state while I ran for governor, which gave me the power to control the election for governor, <laughs> I understand the importance of making black people stand in really long lines. I mean, not cheating. I'm coming to you from a predominantly white, strongly Republican suburb where the only reason that there is any line at all is because it takes a few seconds for the poll workers to distribute the complimentary caviar and mimosas. I'm being told that the only voting machine in the entire precinct is malfunctioning. They have so many voting machines here that voters are being offered a second round of complimentary mimosas to vote a second time just so all of the machines get used. I awarded a contract to a campaign donor buddy of mine uh, to replace all of Georgia's voting machines at the same time during the pandemic uh, without training poll workers on how to use them. I mean, what could possibly go wrong? I'm talking to a voter waiting in line in the pouring rain. How long have you been in line? Let's see, it's 4.15 now, so I've been in line since May of last year. I'm talking to a voter who, even though there is no line, has chosen to wait half an hour before voting in order to take advantage of the complimentary pre-voting hot tub. Democracy is so relaxing. Awarding a voting machine contract to my political ally may sound like corruption, but I impaneled a bipartisan commission to study all of the bids from all of the voting machine companies and make a nonpartisan recommendation. Excuse me, ma'am, do you mind if I ask you who you intend to vote for today? Of course, then I ignore their recommendation and award the contract to my buddy. Oh, I, I'm voting for Barack Obama. I never thought I'd live to see the day where I could cast my ballot for a black president. Oh dear. This poor elderly woman seems to be suffering from dementia. She thinks it's 2008. Well, I don't think it's 2008. I've been standing in line waiting to vote since 2008. I've spent 12 years waiting to vote for Barack Obama. What the hell is a Barack Obama? It sounds like one of them idiotic, hippie terms, if you ask me. That's why I'm voting for Richard Nixon to put an end to all this hippie crap. You intend to vote for Richard Nixon, so you've been standing in line since 1968. I had to walk three blocks away from the polling place because the noise from the super fun post-voting water slide was too much. There's a congregation of three African-Americans standing on the sidewalk. 
They're the only not white people I've seen all day, so I'm going to talk to them. We're standing in line to vote. But the polling place is three blocks away. They said our line starts here. How long have you been waiting here? I'm not sure. When did the ancient Greeks invent democracy? I've just uncovered the remnants of a 16th century Native American who died in this very voting line waiting to cast a ballot against trusting the white man. Retail giant and root cause of American wealth inequality, Walmart, announced this week that it will no longer keep, quote, multicultural products under a lock and key. You mean Walmart got caught using extra security for products that are exclusively bought by black people, so they changed their policy just because they were embarrassed? Exactly. Barely out of a whisper obtained audio of the meeting where Walmart executives originally decided that, quote, multicultural products required extra security. The best things in life are free, but you can give them to the birds and bees. It has recently come to my attention that black people's hair is different. You can't say out loud that black people are different from white people. Walmart loves black people. Black people are disproportionately poor, and poor people disproportionately shop at Walmart. Actually, it's okay to acknowledge that black people's hair is different because they buy different hair products that are specifically designed for those differences. If black people are buying different types of hair products, and black people disproportionately shop at Walmart, because poor people disproportionately shop at Walmart, and black people are disproportionately poor, then Walmart needs to start selling black people hair stuff. We probably should think of a better name than black people hair stuff. Good thinking. We'll be able to sell a lot more black people hair stuff if we call black people hair stuff something other than black people hair stuff. How do you say black people hair stuff without saying black people hair stuff? Hmm. Oh, we could call it white lady touchable you know because the product makes your hair look so good that white ladies want to touch it yes i hear they love that of course they do but we don't want to offend any white ladies yeah that's true dealing with offended white ladies already occupies 75 percent of our store manager's time we've got to be culturally sensitive if we're going to be dealing with multiple culturals that's it! We'll call black people hair stuff multicultural products. But we're specifically marketing them to one cultural. Yes, but that cultural isn't white. Therefore, it's multicultural. So it's settled. We will sell black people hair stuff, but we call that black people hair stuff multicultural products. Ooh, there's only one problem. What's that? I don't want to say it out loud. How could there be a problem here? Walmart loves black people, which is why we're marketing black people hair stuff directly to black people so that black people can come into our stores and... Oh, I see the problem now. Is there a problem with calling them multicultural products? No, the name is fine. It's just, 
if black people come to the store to get black people stuff, our sales will increase. Theoretically, yes, but sales can only increase with purchases, and if black people are coming to get black people stuff, then... Then sales will increase. Oh, you're still not getting it. <sighs> this is so awkward. Um, so there's sales. Mm -hmm. Sales. Yes, right. Because of purchases. Mm -hmm. Purchases. And then there's not sales. Not sales. Because of um, not purchases. Not purchases. And then there's black people. But I can't say how those things are connected out loud. Well, what do black people have to do with not sales? Oh, now I get it because they steal. Oh How dare you? Walmart loves black people. You should be ashamed of yourself. You're fired. We could always put the multicultural products under a lock and key. Oh my god, that's brilliant. You're rehired. <laughs> Let's go to Target. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Barely Audible Whisper, made possible by the following people, writer, co-host, and producer, Dave Baldwin, co-host and actress, Molly Brown, writer and actor, Daniel Carter-Brown, actors, Corey Burns, Michael Morgan, and Ali Glonick. Please check out our website, barelyaudiblewhisper.com, where you can subscribe to us or subscribe to us somewhere else, and, uh... Follow us on social media and tell all your friends you think we're funny. We appreciate your support. <laughs> Hubris!